May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam at WCEV 1450 AM Chicago. And I am your host, Tariq el And I've got to take a quick pause because I have joined me just for a minute in studio. Uh, my my better half, the, the love of my life, Dr. Aisha el Why don't you go ahead and say assalamu alaikum to the Radio Islam family. Assalamualaikum, good people. So glad to be here. Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, Radio Slime family, for those of you who are regular listeners, you know what we are. We are a live call-in talk radio program, and we air every day from 6 to 7 p.m. Central right here. And if you're listening, you are likely listening. You're either on 1450 AM, WCEV, or you are listening to our live stream at www.wcev1450. Com. Now, folks, remember that even as we are adding content to our Radio Islam site, it is still up and running and available for your perusal. So take a minute, go there, look around. You'll find guest bios, articles, uh, pictures, uh, just, just lots of great content. You can look forward to, in the very near future, uh, the Friday, artist, uh, Friday Night Artist Profiles and some of the information from what's up wednesday yes it is what's up wednesday so what's up wednesday we take a minute we just look around and we try to clue you in on things that are going uh, going on in the community things that you might miss if you were anywhere else but right here so we're always happy to have you hope that if you're in the car right now that your travel is uh that it's okay uh if you're in the chicagoland area uh, you got something you want to say <laughs> well, I just came from traveling out there, and, and uh, I'm going to make some prayers and duas for folks because it's raining off and on, and traffic is backed up, and even the, the public transportation is backed up. So be be safe and careful out there. And, you know, you can sit back and wait for a few stops and listen to a little bit of Radio Islam in, in, the, in the rain. There you go. I like your style. You, you probably see why, why I married this woman. So... Uh, we always ask you, if you are on social media, make sure you take a moment. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at the same handle, that is at Radio Islam USA, at Radio Islam USA. And for our Facebook listeners, make sure that you take a moment to go to our page, Radio Islam. Like the page. Uh, that is a place that you can go to and see, uh, well, in addition to the content that you might find on the on the uh, Radio Islam site, but that's a place where it's a bit more interactive during the show. You can post comments, questions, and have those things, uh, have your voice uh, injected into the conversation. So we, we always have that up, and we're always ready to uh, talk with you. So that being, oh, go right here. <laughs> and there's, there's not enough spaces um, available where you have a voice. Um, where, where your concerns can be uh, broadcast and dialogued around. So please do take advantage. Um, those different venues are there because your voice matters with Radio Islam. Absolutely, absolutely. And the last method of connection that I'm going to give you is the old school telephone. It still works. Feel free. Give us a call at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. So it's What's Up Wednesday, 
And I want to start out Wednesday with on, on a light note. Uh, there's nothing too heavy tonight, but we still want to start out with a laugh. Give you something to, uh, you know, something to smile about if, if it's been a rough day for you. Uh-oh, there's a drum roll here. I'm wondering. I, I'll be the barometer here to see if, if this is funny. <laughs> so, uh, so I normally, I normally, um, I'm normally looking over at, at Ibrahim after I ask, after after I tell a joke, because you know, just see how it lands. You know, if, if it's if it's sufficient. Okay, here is the joke. All right, here it is. <clears throat> My friend thinks he's smart. He told me an onion is the only food that makes you cry. So, I threw a coconut at his face. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. I, I, for it, Wednesday, it, that's not bad. All right. For Wednesday. Okay. So you, you hear Aisha? Ibrahim has a slight grin. <laughs> you know, it's halfway. It's a groaner, maybe. As okay. I pick up a coconut. Right. So uh, we've got some, some great things going on um, in Chicago in particular. Uh, there are great things going on around uh, the country and around the world. And a lot of those things don't always get the, the, the media attention that they deserve because one of the things in media is that, you know, there's old saying uh, says that if it bleeds, it leads. And that means that basically if there's trauma involved, if, if it's a catastrophe, if it's uh, violent or scintillating, uh, scintillating then, then that's something that people will, that will draw their interest. But we know that there are good things that are going on. So we want to share some of those good things, some of the good efforts uh, that are taking place. And the first thing I've got to do, I've got to give a big shout out to my brother, uh, Dr. Rami Nashashibi of Iman. That's the Inner City Muslim Action Network, uh, which has been a staple in the Muslim community uh, in Chicago and whose work has expanded across the nation over the years. He was awarded the prestigious MacArthur Fellowship, also known as the Genius Grant. Um, and I believe there are about 20 folks that are, that are awardees. And I want to just give you something that comes from the site itself to give you, the, give you an idea of the scope of what, this, what, what the recipients, what they represent, the, the types of uh, work that they, uh, that they engage in. So it says, from transforming conditions for low-wage workers to identifying Internet security vulnerabilities, from celebrating the African-American string band tradition to designing resilient urban habitats, these new MacArthur Fellows bring their exceptional creativity to diverse people, places, and social challenges. Their work gives us reason for optimism and inspires us all. That really does uh, capture what um, Rami does with Iman and high accolades. This is a a huge honor, um, and I, we just applaud him. Um, he is he is an inspiration. So that's that's what's up. That's what I'm that's yeah, what I'm talking about. Definitely. And <clears throat> so, in, in addition to that, in addition to that, I like to say that he's emblematic of of the type of spirit that you find in places, in particular like Chicago, uh, where you have you have such a such a rich um, a rich collection of dedicated, of dedicated uh, servant servant leaders, and so I'm just I'm really happy, um, you know, and I pray for his continued blessings for the work that he does, uh, because it it is a work that is um, 
that is important and, and it affects so many. So, you know, may Allah, may God continue to bless him and all those that he made that make that work uh, possible and successful. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, as far as other other news that is coming up community wise, there is a an event. So this is event season right in Chicago. If you are a native Chicagoan in the Muslim community, you know that basically from September, just about September through through, uh, through December, that is where all those organizations that are putting in work, uh, Radio Islam included, Sound Vision included, uh, where we put the call out and we ask for those people whose work, uh, who our work matters to, we ask for them to come out and show their support so that we can, can continue in that work. So one of those organizations, uh, I'm going to give you three, well, three or four different uh, events that are taking place that are emblematic of that type of, uh, of the type of work that is going on that we should be aware of and we should support whenever possible. So the first one is the American Muslim Health Professionals. They have a benefit dinner that is coming up Sunday, October 29th, and that's going to be from 5 to 9 p.m., at Monty's Elegant Banquets. That's 703 South York Road, Bensonville, Illinois. That's 60106. And their keynote speaker is Abdul El Said. Uh, he's a medical doctor as well as a PhD. Uh, and he's a Democratic candidate for Michigan uh, governor. So the organization itself, I, 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 I urge you to look for yourself. Do your due diligence. That's something that we want to be want to be committed to, not just taking information, but vetting information. Uh, and we hope that you see us as a trusted source, but we also challenge you to also be able to have a, have a dialogue that is based on being informed about issues uh, so we can talk from a place, of, from a place of, uh, of knowledge and understanding. So American Muslim Health Professionals, I urge you, check them out. Their website is uh, www.am hp.us that's www.amhp.us you can get tickets for the event there and you can get more information about this uh, this very uh, needed uh, and, and relevant organization American Muslim Health Professionals uh, next is the uh, well you heard in our opening we talked about Radio Salam's dinner that's coming up November 12th now our dinner is at the dinner, uh, dinner will be served at 5 o'clock, right? But you can join us for Maghrib. But there's also something else going on on the 12th that is before. So you're going to have a busy day on the 12th, okay? So the 12th, there's also uh, at 2 p.m., there is an, um, there's an event that is going to be honoring, celebrating the life of uh, Professor Sharif Bassioni, who recently, who recently returned to Allah. He recently passed. And he is a giant, and I do not use that term with any hyperbole. He is, he is, literally, he is a giant um, in, in activism. He is the, considered the father of uh, international criminal law. Uh, the work that he did single-handedly, uh, pretty much single-handedly, just you know, within Bosnia, um, bringing Slobodan Milosevic uh, to justice. Uh, he did work in Rwanda. Uh, he's done work in, in many different places that was about bringing justice to oppressed peoples. And there's going to be an event, uh, as I say, uh, on the 12th, and it will be at American Islamic College. 
which is at 640, I believe it's 640 East Pershing Road. But if you simply go to American Islamic College, uh, you should be able to get the information there. But uh, this event is coming up, and it's definitely something that you would want to uh, take a moment to, uh, to be a part of. Just, you know. So uh, last is, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an opportunity to come and see the, the Denzel of his time. Uh, and, and who am I talking about, Aisha? I have no idea. The Denzel of his time. You're looking at him right now. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Is that? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's right, okay. that's right. Yep, Th there it is. There yep. you go, there you go. Absolutely. So November 11th, November 11th at Chicago State University, uh, the play In Spite of, written uh, and directed by Zakiel Amin, is going to be, uh, it, it'll be curtain, curtains raised at 6 p.m., and that's at the Breaky Theater. The, 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 the play is called In Spite of, and it is... It's a great story. It's about family. It's about conflict and resolution and finding strength uh, in places that you might not have expected to find them. Uh, this show is at 6 p.m., 9501 South King Drive. That's the Breaky Theater at Chicago State Theater. And you will find the, 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 the best actor that you've, you've probably never heard of right here. You'll also find a, a cadre of very uh, dedicated and committed uh, folks who I've had the opportunity to see some snippets of, of their practice and I'm very impressed. Yeah, um, absolutely. The director, Zaki Elamin, is, is very well known um, from all of her work throughout the Chicagoland area and this is a fundraiser uh, for Masjid Al-Taqwa. I'm on the south side of Chicago, 80 to 11 South Exchange. Um, and part of the work that Masjid Al-Taqwa does is um, feed and clothe the community uh, of need every first and third Saturday of the month with Bridging the Gap. Um, this is part of our, our signature. Um, and so if you can support with um, by coming out and applauding and buying tickets, and if you can't sponsor someone else uh, who is able to make it but maybe not able to, to have – that, that doesn't have the don't that does not have the funding in order to do so. Great stuff, great stuff. Yes, I hope you all know. You, you should know that I, I speak about my my uh, theatrical uh, greatness uh, only in jest. Uh, I, I've got three lines in the play, so <laughs> so 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 lower your expectations. Um, You're pretty. If awesome you too, have though. okay, if you have oh thank you so much. Uh, if you all have any types of community service uh, that is going on in the Chicagoland area that you would like to share, that you would like to have us announce on air, feel free, send us an email, producer at Radio Islam, um, yeah, producer at Radio Islam USA.com, or go ahead and give us an inbox on Facebook. Just leave us uh, some contact information uh, where we can follow up with you. And, oh, um, this will be our last thing. We're going we're gonna to take a short break after this last announcement real quick. So friends for Delara uh, volunteer requests. For those of you who are aware that Delara Saeed is running for public office, uh, I'm going to read this really quick. So there's going to be a volunteer recruitment, uh, recruitment at 5548 South State, and this is going to be, uh, they're looking for volunteers that can volunteer on Sundays, Mondays, Wednesdays. But let me give you the contact info. The contact info 
is, I will tell you what, 708, yes, you can call 708-254-658, that's an incomplete phone number. So this is what I'm going to do. We're going to go ahead and put that up on, on our uh, Facebook page. Uh, please check it out, and if you can support, please do so. So you are listening to Radio Islam on WCEV 1450, and what time? It's about 623. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Traffic had stopped. Pedestrians were lying on sidewalks and curled up in doorways. There was no sign of violence, no wrecks, nothing like that. It was as if the people in New York had simply decided to stop whatever they were doing and pass out. Ice coated my stomach. The invasion has started. To find out what happens next, read Percy Jackson and the Olympians by Rick Reardon. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library. And visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, one in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, one in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 88. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listener. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Tariq al your host, and you are listening to Radio Islam on WCEV 1450 AM. And if you are streaming, you are streaming live with us on www.wcev1450am. So we are always happy to have you with us. It is Wednesday. And, well, speaking of the day, uh, this past Saturday was October 7th, and that marked the 15th year of the war in Afghanistan, which is the longest standing war in U.S. history. So earlier today, we had an opportunity to talk with Kathy Kelly. Now, she is an American peace activist, pacifist, and author. She's one of the founding members of the Voices in the Wilderness, and currently she's a co-coordinator of Voices for Creative Nonviolence. She's traveled to Iraq 26 times, notably remaining in combat zones during the early days of both U.S.-Iraq wars. And her recent travel has focused on Afghanistan and Gaza, along with domestic protests against U.S. drone policy. She's been arrested more than 60 times at home and abroad, and written of her experiences among targets of U.S. military bombardment and inmates of U.S. prisons. So we had the pleasure of catching up with her by phone and talk with her about a variety of things. Uh, she's got an upcoming trip to Afghanistan. 
Uh, we talked about the toll that the war has taken on Afghans, uh, the resiliency of Afghan youth, and the lack of economic infrastructure, and the lack of jobs that puts many Afghan men in the unenviable position of having to decide to pick up a weapon to support their families, uh, whether it be in a local militia, guarding a warlord, or as part of Afghan security forces. So here is our conversation. We hope that, uh, that you enjoy it, that's beneficial, that you, you're really listening with an open heart. And uh, here it is. This past week, October 7th, as a matter of fact, marked the 15th uh, anniversary of the United States presence in Afghanistan. Uh, is, this vi- is this visit, do you find it particularly significant? Well, I think that when people in the United States think about the length of the war and ask themselves what has been the result of the war, what did the war generate, it's, it's very significant in as much as uh, so many billions of dollars have been spent, so many lives have been altered, so many lives have been lost. And uh, the people in Afghanistan are still coping with horrendous problems. Uh, just in terms of infrastructure, the young people I know get electricity every other day if they're lucky. People living in refugee camps are displaced in miserable, miserable circumstances. There's not a snow melt coming down from the Hindu Kush mountains into the capital city of Kabul, but rather uh, the uh, drainage and the sewage in a, a city where poor people are pushed up the mountainside and living in hovels without latrines. People are, uh, in many spots in Afghanistan, uh, under control of various warlords, including the Taliban, and many look upon the United States as yet another warlord. It's a war-torn, failed narco-state wherein it's extremely difficult for young people to survive, much less thrive. And yet with all that, when I meet with the kids in Afghanistan, I'm meeting some of the most generous, thoughtful people I've ever encountered. Wow. Wow. So when you mention the, you know, a failed narco state, one of the uh, one of the rationalizations or the um, uh, one of the reasons that was given for the United States presence or its invasion of, of, of Afghanistan was to put an end to Taliban rule. Uh, how is that something that is understood by Afghans 15 years later? Uh, do they feel like this was what is their response to all of this? I mean, you, you've mentioned quite a bit, but what is their response to this? Mm. Well, of course, there's no uniform response all across Afghanistan because there are very uh, distinct divisions between tribes and clans. And there are some who, at this point in their exhaustion, mm-hmm. I, I think feel, uh, okay, you know, I, I'm a rural farmer. I, I want to get my crops to market, and I want to be able to get seeds and plant more crops. And uh, the Taliban give just a measure of security sufficient to do that. Well, there are others who say, no, I've been evicted from my land by the Taliban, and and I'm frightened of what they will do uh, to my children in the future. But certainly that you don't hear people saying uh, the United States has the best interests of people of Afghanistan 
in mind in having set up their bases and their forward operating bases. Um, in fact, you can certainly see that in order to gain protection for United States military convoys and United States forward operating bases, and even some of the actual bigger bases uh, for delivery of goods to those bases, the United States military has been paying off warlords, including some who are in allegiance with the Taliban. And so some say that the, uh, the, the Taliban warlords and other warlords want the war to continue because that's their bread and butter. That's how they get money, and it's certainly how they get weapons. Right. So you mentioned, uh, you know, this being the longest war uh, in the the history of the United States that it's been involved in. What does uh, Voices for Creative Nonviolence, how does it fit into resisting that? How does it uh, fit into, you know, calling for an end to war? And, you know, how does it address this type of situation? Well, you know, Tag, it would be so ideal if some of the young people whom we've gotten to know could get visas and we would bring them here to the United States. We've tried hard to do that. And they could speak up and they wouldn't need someone like me speaking on their behalf. But it's almost impossible to get a visa for a young person in Afghanistan who doesn't come from a very wealthy, well-connected family. Mm-hmm. So Voices has gone over to Afghanistan and listened as best we can to young people and among the Afghan peace volunteers, to their mothers, to the widows and the orphaned children whom they often serve, to people who are living in the refugee camps. And uh, we, we do try to read, to study, to learn as much as we can when we're not there about developments in Afghanistan. So part of what we do has to do with education mm-hmm. of people in the United States. But also we really do believe in relationships. We believe that where you stand determines what you see. And when we are living alongside people who don't have electricity and can't access the Internet and are cooking on a one-cylinder gas apparatus and um, don't have access to clean water and often um, have a very hard time with sewage, to be honest, uh, then then we get a better sense for what it is that they're facing. Um, The air is just so, so horrible in Kabul that... Almost every one of us, if we travel in the winter, comes back with a pretty serious respiratory problem. And and that's something these young kids can't escape. So um, we believe it's important also to pay reparations to people in Afghanistan. The United States warfare has caused enormous suffering because of bombings. You know, the bombing has increased by 50%. Uh, in the past six months, and and the night raids have increased, and and this causes terror, it causes displacement, it causes psychological trauma, and so we want to pay reparations, and we don't think it's going to be any time soon that the U.S. government will do that, but we ask people to um, help us, help the Afghan peace volunteers do two main projects, and and, and they're so organized about this, it's incredible to me. But they are able to help primarily widows, but um, women who cannot feed their families, to manufacture big, heavy blankets. Um, I, I can't carry more than two at a time. They're really big, heavy quilts. Wow. And they're called duvets. Mm-hmm. And then those are distributed free of charge 
to people living in refugee camps or living on the mountainsides without anything close to protection from the harsh winter. And the women who do make them are are paid a living wage, and then they're able to at least give their children food. And the second project has to do with um, these young people, in a sense, doing surveillance. They go out and they ask survey questions. They survey the poorest families, and they ask, how often do you get beans in a given week? What's your source of water? Who earns an income? How old is that person? And if the person earning the income is five years old or six years old, then they invite families to send their child to the street kids' school, a school that they run to form community and support the children, get them going back to school, having learned their ABCs and learned you know, at least basic math. And then they give the family a ration, more or less, of cooking oil and rice and sometimes beans so that it will compensate for what the child might have earned working on the street or at least a half day of that work and then the child can go to school and these are good projects they form community they give people an opportunity to feel that they're at least trying their best to extend a hand of friendship and they extend those hands across ethnic divides in other words pashto hazara and Tajik are working together in those projects I described. So it's quite beautiful in many ways. And then, of course, they learn the sorrow and the bereavement when a family loses a loved one because he went off to fight with some militia. They learn about you know how difficult it is if somebody succumbs to becoming addicted to heroin, as does happen quite often in the country. And, and they also learn about permaculture, and they learn about proper ways to plant and uh, be more bountiful in the harvest. They um, have young girls learning how to ride bicycles, and I think that's just great. They take risks. They are a bit edgy, really. And most recently, they held a conference for young people from every province in Afghanistan. There are 33 provinces, and of those, 24 provinces were represented in a conference, and out of it, they made a pledge to each start an Afghan peace garden in their own locale. Wow. Wow. That, that is, that is awesome. Uh, there's a, uh, I guess, I guess I'm going to quote you on, uh, with this. I, I thought it was a really beautiful statement. Um, where you stand determines what you see. I, I don't know if I said it exactly as the way you, uh, the way you exactly said it. That's exactly right. Uh, and I think that is an extremely powerful, uh, uh, sentiment and observation. Uh, you mentioned things as, as far as the uh, infrastructure and alluded to education. One of the things that we don't hear about quite often, uh, at, at least here in the United States, in terms of uh, our activity and how it affects the countries where we have military presence, and that is how has this affected the the the, the home life or the the family life uh, of of Afghans? You know, with war, you know, men generally you know are sent off to war, and it, it affects. You know, you have single-parent homes, you have orphans. Is that uh, is that something that you have seen with regularity, or does it change based upon the province that, that, that you're in? Mm, well, that's a very sensitive question. It would touch the hearts of the young people I know if they heard you inquire about that, because um, their families are reeling, many of them, because there aren't jobs 
available. And so you can imagine, you know, somebody perhaps gets married and has a baby, and, and then to take care of the family, he finally has to say, okay, I'll join the Afghan local police, or I'll join the Afghan national forces, or I'll join uh, some kind of a militia that protects a particular warlord. But, you know, so many of the jobs involve picking up a gun. And, and one of my young friends was telling me that his mother was crying on the phone because his older brother had called, and he was on his belly in the hot sun out in the desert. Um, his hands were raw and blistered because he was being trained to use a gun, and he didn't want to do that. He doesn't want to kill. He doesn't want to fight. But there, it's not like there are a whole lot of other jobs being held out to people. So the United States comes over with millions of serious weapons. I mean, any weapon is serious, but we're talking about assault rifles and carbines and pistols, and, and these go missing, you know. People will say, oh, yes, yes, sign me up, I'll, I'll sign for a weapon, and then the person disappears and sells the weapon to make money to feed the family. Or, so there are so many weapons in uh, every part of Afghanistan, and when people have weapons, it changes them. They're, they're more willing to say, okay, don't, don't take anything away from me, or I might kill you, or I have revenge reasons to kill you. And, and so it's become a, a very bloody and frightening place where people are afraid to travel often because they're afraid of some kind of a, a checkpoint being set up and maybe they'll be uh, exploited or robbed at the checkpoint. There's tremendous corruption that has developed because of the presence of the U.S. military. There's a man named Anand Gopal who learned both Dari and Pashto um, had a guide and, and, and a motorcycle, and off they went. And he has gone. I admire him so much. He's gone to many of the various towns and villages where fighting is raging, and he interviews people, and he tries to understand what was the initial cause of this fighting. And he said, trace the conflict back and back, and it will eventually trace back to the presence of a U.S military base or a U.S. forward operating base. And then people are afraid that they might be picked up and accused of being a criminal and, and put in detention and possibly tortured. They're very, very afraid of being targeted by uh, unmanned aerial vehicles and drone systems and, and that somehow they might be targeted along a road and maybe they've welcome somebody into their home and it turns out that person is considered a high value target so people aren't as friendly and hospitable as they once might have been because of a, a fear that they don't really know what might happen to them people in the Kunduz hospital were bombed in October of 2015 there's no hospital now for that entire northern section of Afghanistan. It was a Doctors Without Borders hospital, and the United States kept bombing it for an hour and 15 minutes, even after calls had been made to say, stop, you're bombing a hospital. I met one of the survivors in a Kabul hospital. He'd been taken through a grueling trip from the Kunduz hospital to Kabul after he sustained a serious, serious shrapnel wound in his spine. And he was going to recover, but Khaled Ahmed had a survivor's guilt, in a sense, because that day 42 people were killed, and 12 of them were his colleagues on the staff. He was a pharmacist, and three were medical doctors. 
And when he found out I was from the United States, he paused and looked at me, and he asked me, why would your people want to do this to us? We were only trying to help people. Wow. Wow. So with a hospital being bombed, you know, a place of of refuge and healing, what does that do for setting a stage of 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 uh, of inviting other folks of NGOs and organizations that want to come in and provide relief are there lots of organizations or that you are aware of that are trying to come in and bring some relief well for instance um the, the hospital where i met Khaled Ahmed is a very very fine hospital and um it's run by a group of Italians but if they well, for instance, I'll travel with a nurse from the United States, and she's very interested to eventually work in that hospital. But if she does do that, she'll have to agree that for six months she will never leave the hospital grounds. Wow. And and my Italian friends, they may they make light of it, but it is serious. They say, yes, it's a prison. It's a nice prison, but it's a prison. <laughs> and, and that's because of the safety element. Uh, so it, it's quite difficult for people to um, recruit and keep the staff that they need in order to run institutions. And they also have to find ways to deal with corruption. You know, the logistician for a major hospital in Afghanistan has to work really hard to try not to be ripped off by very, very corrupt structures that uh, are often looking for bribes. And so it, it, it is difficult for groups to fund and maintain their hospitals. The American University in Kabul had uh, two of their professors kidnapped, and they haven't been released yet, and that was three years ago. And um, a little over a year ago, gunmen burst into the campus and began to uh, kill students and teachers, and so 13 people were killed, many were wounded, and that institution closed down for over a year. They were trying to do courses online um, there, you know, they, the reality is that uh, nobody feels particularly safe uh, going into or exiting Afghanistan. There have been uh, repeated attacks on the airport, and now the United States says it's going to create an enlarged green zone, more or less, to protect the United States people coming in and out of the airport and getting to their embassy. And so many, many people fled Afghanistan, but now European countries are saying, oh, your country is safe, you have to go back. But that's just not true. Kabul was once the safest place in Afghanistan, the the capital city of Kabul, but now it's considered the most dangerous place. And so it's difficult for people to get supplies into the city and beyond. It's difficult for people to even begin to tackle problems of rehabilitating the agricultural infrastructure, which would be the most sensible thing to do Mm -hmm. to clear out the irrigation systems, to replenish the flocks, to reseed the orchards. But, you know, so many people are saying, no, 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 money ought to go to exploring for rare earth minerals, and then eventually Afghans could be turned into serfs and drudges who would go below the ground and try to uh, extract the minerals for wealthy people that need them for their technologies. Uh, You know, I think a lot of people feel as though 
their country is up for sale. And if the United States isn't a dominant warlord, it might become China or it might become India, but it might not become a country that has the interests of Afghanistan in their um, sights. Wow. You mentioned with so much uh, that has taken place with the with the realities of uh, infrastructure, health care, family, you mentioned the the outlook or the disposition of some of the young people that you've worked with and, and them being sharing, and they just seem to, uh, as you talked about them, I just, I just felt like I was, I just see these, these, these young people with, with hope. And my question is, even with the reality of, of, uh, of their country, you know, enduring 15 years, well, more than that, uh, most, most people who are familiar, just even vaguely familiar with the history of Afghanistan know that, uh, their troubles extend much further than the 15 years that we've been there, but certainly have been exacerbated by U.S. presence. Um, what is it, in your opinion, gives them the disposition that they have? You know, they find hope in friendship. They form relationships, and they become uh, very caring and, and solicitous of one another. Every time there's a bombing, they all get on their cell phones and call to find out, are you okay, is your family okay? And they, they, they've formed 20 teams, 20 working teams that come together out of a place called the Border Free Center, and they coordinate their activities. Every now and then they'll go off on a field trip, which is really essential. They have to do that once in a while. And I, I think that uh, in the everyday life, they have found so much purposefulness in uh, trying to cultivate the projects and the center and, and they don't want to abandon people who have grown to rely on them. Little kids that are street kids are beaming. You know, they come every Friday and fill the place, and they go to their classes, and they go to a nonviolence class once a week. And, and, and my young friends have more um, purpose in their lives because they're preparing the classes and making the textbooks and, you know, helping the, even some of the older street kids now learn how to coordinate the debate project and so uh, I think people if they could get out they they probably would want to go but I know some who have managed to leave Afghanistan and they feel lonely genuinely lonely for the community and the spirit that they left behind mm. Mm. well let me ask one other question and that is with so much that may seem to be outside of their control, as far as uh, governance is concerned, is there a, a spirit on the ground uh, within the community, within these young people, of, of, of really reclaiming their own uh, government, reclaiming their agency? Uh, and it seems that that's a part of, of what I'm hearing uh, in, in, in having these uh, gardens and uh, these, these teams but politically and, and governing their own uh, society, is there, a, is there a push for that? Well, I think that they are in, uh, quite incredible in that regard. They have um, themselves gone out and tried to clean up areas uh, of the dried-up riverbed. They've um, gone to Kabul University, and they were able to get quite an extensive plot, and that's where they have um, applied what they've learned about permaculture, and they're harvesting um, crops there, really, and then they've also got organic gardens going in several other spots. 
they they don't get any help from their government, so they don't feel like they have to um, comply with some kind of governmental demands because the government doesn't help them with any of their projects. Uh, they also are not helped by foreign governments. They are helped uh, quite a great deal by people who have been generous uh, through the course of Voices delegations going over to Afghanistan. But the other thing that they do is um, gather together for pretty steady, extensive education amongst themselves and with the help of a Singaporean MD. His name is Hakim. And he has really enlightened that group about the world beyond in ways that they might not otherwise have had access to. So they care deeply about the environment. When they heard about the um, Dakota Access Pipeline, they were out with signs showing their solidarity and displaying their river in photos that they wanted to get to the Dakota Access people to say, yes, please, keep up your good work. Don't let what's happened to our river happen to your waterways. And, and they felt so much care and concern for people in Yemen when they learned that Seven million people in Yemen are facing starvation. And when they realize that uh, between Yemen and the Horn of Africa, there are as many as 20 million people that could starve. You know, at the end of Ramadan, these young people took up a collection. They decided to walk rather than take buses. They went without it, a piece of bread at breakfast. They did anything they could to chip in, and they collected $45.78 for people in Yemen. And that was a huge contribution from wow. their very, very meager resources. Wow. That is that is beautiful. It is that, beautiful. That, and you can, hmm. um, you can see videos about anything I've mentioned. They've documented it beautifully, and they've got pictures and videos. And their, their website is called... Our Journey to Smile. I'll just say that again. OurJourneyToSmile.com Our Journey to Smile. I'm writing, I'm writing that down. OurJourneyToSmile.com Okay, that because is awesome. Because they, they think every child should have a reason to smile. Now, what can, what can our listeners do to support the work that you're doing right now? Well, you know, you can do a little more listening by tuning into a phone call that they host every month. On the 21st of every month, they have an international Skype phone call. And if you or any one of your listeners wanted to just talk to them, you could just write in advance. Uh, go to globaldaysoflistening.com, globaldaysoflistening.com, and be part of that phone call. And or arrange a separate time, you know, just say, hey, we'd like to talk with you. We want to have you on our radio show. They'd be thrilled. Oh. And then people can also go to the Voices website, vcnv.org, and learn more about the Duvet Project and about the Street Kids School Project. You can also learn from them, about them, on that ourjourneytosmile.com. And I'm in Chicago. I would be so pleased go to any of your listeners' communities and, and talk about what we've seen and heard in Afghanistan. I'll be coming back on October 31st, and I'm always so privileged 
blessed and honored, really, uh, any time I have a chance to talk with people who are friends of Radio Islam. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much, Kathy. We pray for your safe journey and return. Once again, thanks for joining us, and we look forward. Hopefully, we can get you in studio uh, once, once you're back. Oh, that would be great. Okay, thank you <laughs> right. so much for this interview. Thank you. Bye-bye. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be with you. Welcome back. Welcome back to this What's Up Wednesday. Hope you enjoyed that previous segment. Um, it was a lot to consider, but we have come to the close of our day, close of our hour. It goes by so fast. Uh, we'd like to thank you once again for spending this hour with us. Uh, congrats again to our brother Rami Nashashibi. Let's keep in mind the AM, the American Muslim Health Professionals, uh, the benefit, the celebration and honoring of Professor Sharif Basiuni, as well as Radio Islam's own dinner, which is coming up November 12th. So we hope to see you in those spaces. But more importantly, we hope to see you tomorrow. And I'd like to take this moment to also just say that uh, it's important for us to pray for one another. We may never see each other in life, but it's important for us to take a moment and honestly and sincerely pray for one another. So uh, with that, we pray that uh, you and your families are in a state of uh, peace uh, and purpose, enjoying the purpose that God has placed you here for. Uh, we pray that your, uh, that your works benefit not only you but those around you. Uh, and that we pray, we look forward, you know, and I say amen, uh, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow, 6 p.m., same time. Um, we've got in with us uh, on the phone tomorrow, we've got Dr. Uh, Zaid Abdul-Kareem. We've got Dr. Zaid Abdul-Kareem. Looking forward to talking to him. Uh, really uh, exciting and innovative uh, leader. And sure that you're going to get a whole lot out of that. So tonight's episode will be up on SoundCloud tomorrow. Let us know what you think. Give us your feedback. Give us your comments. Um, so we're in this together. Radio Islam family. I don't use that term lightly. So our en engineer tonight over at WCEV is Leonard. Thank you so much, Leonard, for doing what you do. You and all the guys over there making sure that we come through nice and clear. Our engineer in studio, always right here, Ibrahim Beg, the impressive one. Very modest brother. Um, but... He makes sure that I can, I can just focus on talking. So, uh, thank you for that. Thanks for my better half for joining me for the evening. Thanks for All right, it's been great. Uh, and actually, since it's, it's What's Up Wednesday, I can tell you this. When we leave here, we are going to see Hamilton. Hamilton. Yes, we saw Hamilton last week, and we're going to see it again now. We came up on tickets, so we're going to go see it again. A matter of fact, that's a show. We got We have to talk about that. Uh, but we don't have time now. So have a great evening. Uh, and enjoy the rest of it. Uh, there's so much going on in the world. Make sure that you're taking time to focus on the things that are that make you smile. Make sure you take time to focus on the things that are that are meaningful, uh, that give you hope, um, and not just on you know not just on the negative stuff. So that being said. I'm going to leave you as I greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.